0: Welcome on, my friends, to The Sweet Spot, where IT leaders share the insight with other leaders and others that want to lead. My name is Carlos Vargas, and as you week, I have my two co-hosts, Howard Holden, Paul Lewis. Hello, guys. How's it Very going? Right? Very good. Coffee or tea? Oh, tea. Right now? Definitely coffee.
1: Tea. I, I have my own private tea station in my office. Private,
0: private tea, station.
1: tea station. Yes. What are I know you lo- yeah,
0: I was gonna say I know that you like bourbon, but
1: tea also. Well, I'm mean, gonna have bourbon in my office too, but but yes, I have a I have an electric kettle, um, three or four different types of tea, uh, some low glycemic sugar because I'm um, diabetic, and uh, you know fresh fresh whole milk.
2: I'm surprised you're going with the kettle. You'd think there'd be some sort of you know Benson burner action, and you're just you're boiling water in a beaker <laughs> and. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, okay. I do try to find exactly the right temperature for the mm-hmm. particular tea that I'm brewing. If that if that helps, right? <laughs> but can you control the
2: temperature on the yeah. kettle? Yeah. Really?
1: Wow, yeah, yeah. that's advanced. It is, and I went out of my way to shop for a kettle that allows me to set the specific temperature and then has a high um, high return of accuracy to that temperature.
2: Because
1: hmm. I want Does exactly. Does he have an temp. app? No, no. I, I actually. I'm less interested in apps as I continue to, uh, I don't know, get older. (laughs) Like the most useful thing for me is whatever smart assistant I'm using because I tell it what to do with all the smart things in my house rather than use an app to manage them. Right. Right.
2: So you've, you've moved from digital to, uh, to gadget.
1: I I like gadgets. I'm not going to lie. Right. I mean, you know, um, but what I don't like is the constant inane emails from people trying to sell me crap. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Even if it's a gadget,
1: I don't care. Uh, it, I would be much more open to it if it was a gadget. <laughs> right, not a lot yeah. of IT yeah. gadgets on the plate. No, I kind of want, like, I kind of want. If you're not on my, if you're not in my contact list, I kind of want you to have to pay ten cents to talk to, to just send me yeah. an email. Like there needs right. to be a service, so, so no, I'm sorry, you, you have to supply credits to email this person. right? And maybe it would cut down some of the garbage, because I probably get 400 emails from garbage a day, you know what I mean? That are just people trying to sell stuff, people trying to get me to read their crap, That's, that's that I'm just not interested in. I never expressed interest in it. Look, just because I have a title that seems like somebody you should reach out to doesn't mean I have any interest in talking to you. And and like you've been doing this as long as I have, Paul. Right in the in the executive space, um, how often are you sh- are you honestly shopping for something new within the within the enterprise space?
2: Uh, nothing that isn't already pre-planned, and certainly nothing that'll just pop up out of the out of the ordinary in my email one day.
1: But even then, how often do you not already have a partner that can achieve that? Yeah, right. It's very rare that I'm looking for new. Right. It's very yeah. rare that I'm ever in the open market. Right. Right. Um, I may, I may, be, I'm always, you know, evolving what I manage. Right. But I generally turn to a few trusted partners, even if they're individuals that don't sell stuff, but people that I trust and go, what should I buy? Right. You know what I mean? I get two or three opinions. I do the research myself. I come back and go, this is what we're going to do. Right. Right. Have,
2: have you gone so far from a contact perspective to close your LinkedIn profile where they can't connect with you anymore? They can only,
1: uh, they're kind no. of locked up effectively. They can only no. be no. no, but the, but half of what I get in LinkedIn now is just in mail. You know, what I mean, they're paying yeah. LinkedIn to be able to send me send me messages anyhow. Right. Um, I have a canned way. response that I wrote that just says thank you for reaching out, but I'm not interested. In, I'm not interested right now. You know.
0: Right.
1: Um But the, it's the email that drives me crazy. I don't mind the LinkedIn. I can like like what do I get? Six of those a day or ten of those a day? It's not a big deal. It's the seventy I get you know, before breakfast to my, to my mailbox. Um, and, and I don't get like, there is nothing that comes through LinkedIn that is urgent, important and must be handled. There's a ton of stuff that I get through email that is urgent, important and must be handled. Right. So and it's i really like, okay. yeah, so I don't like the noise because I have to sort through the noise to know, is there something I need to deal with that comes in via email? And most of it is just noise. And, and that's where I get annoyed.
2: Right. what well, what percentage is it, Dear Howard versus Dear Blank Blank Blank, comma versus Dear uh,
1: Janice, comma. <laughs> um, the, the it is minor where they really get my name wrong, but it does but it does happen with some frequency, um, and it's almost always generic. The one I, that I'm actually on a soapbox about right now is I'm reaching about I'm I'm reaching out about a partnership. Uh, okay, when how do you define partnership? Will you buy from me? No, that's not yeah. a partnership. <laughs> right. you're selling me stuff that's not a partnership what do I get out of it besides whatever the tool is that you're selling that everybody else sells like right. that's not a partnership that's me as a customer of you a partnership means we work together for our combined greater good so right. stop telling me that buying your shit makes this a partnership
2: right like I just, I just you're a man, product company
1: it seems yeah. it's much more obvious that I'm going to be a consumer in this equation yeah I just ban you
2: I just ban you know, sorry.
1: No, oh, and yeah. when I say ban, I don't mean I block you. I mean I ban your company. I see. Right? Like I'm not buying from that company now forever, because that's it's de- it's just a deceptive practice, and I'm not playing that game.
2: In fairness, it's it's quite possible that us as buyers have enabled it by saying, you know, we qualify our vendors in these categories, the topmost being partners, because we expect a you know a joint investment in our success and now we've used the word partner to also mean vendor
1: and if they take that as as the meaning then they're idiots who don't understand english in which case i'm not sure how they're going to make me better anyhow same <laughs> result applies <laughs> right. right like come on uh, uh, like you have partners that are not that are not work related right um, you think of your best friend as a, as a partner in some way. You think of the person you went into business with as a partner. You know what the definition of the word is. Right? You don't think of your car salesman as a partner. You don't think of your energy company as a partner. You don't think of the guy that sold you the burrito at the drive through as a partner. So stop using it accordingly. Right? You are not my partner. Stop trying to make it out like you're my partner. You are not my friend either. So don't call yourself that. <laughs>
0: burrito partnership. That's a great term. Burrito <laughs> partner. <laughs> so, so I think that I, 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 it just came when you were saying that, like, we go to a bunch of conferences. So our information may be available to the vendors from that conference. Uh, so we may get a bunch of email, like you mentioned. By the morning, you start and you get a bunch of email, and you may then block, like you said, delete, send it to spam. Uh, and everybody right now is looking, I don't want to say to make a buck, but everybody's trying to through a down or a difficult time to see how they can do something to sell their product, to try to reach out to someone. I think that the, the, question that I was having as you were saying that all these people are getting instructions from someone, go and reach out, go and do, go and sell. On the back end, there may be people that are doing a good job. Some people that may be doing an okay job. How as leaders do we actually, in difficult times, we maintain culture or maintain that team or do something with them so they don't get blocked. So they actually become helpful to the people that they should serve.
1: Um, yeah. So so I'm not sure I get the question perfectly, but but um, you know we're all entering kind of a downturn, and it is unlikely. You know we've already been understaffed. We exited th- probably three years of the hardest staffing I've ever seen in the industry. Mm-hmm. COVID made it, I don't know, impossible. We, we saw unprecedented growth. Um, We saw unprecedented demand. We saw companies um, take a three-year plan and compress it to three months to try to get everybody enabled to work remotely, to, to expand security, to defend our, our electronic investment, to, to shove um, our customer centricity or digital transformation forward. um, new ways of working, new ways of reaching customers. Like I saw social programs using social networks, right? They kind of meet your customer where they are, um, leapfrog from we don't know what this is and don't really care about it to there is no greater priority in the organization. Um, and then immediately opened a dozen recs, a, a hundred recs, right? At my prior organization, we had more than 1,500 recs open. Um, they, you, we, we couldn't fill them. Right. Um, no one I know that ran any kind of decent it group had all their recs filled by the time late 22 hit. And we started, we started thinking about it now more as a recession, right? So all of those recs were closed and we're likely being told, Hey, by the way, we're going to reduce your head count by 10%, 15%, 20%. So now everybody's looking at the retraction. Now everybody's looking at losing heads Now everybody's looking at that transformation. Um, and, and here's kind of the bummer of it. Okay, cool. On one hand, I can clean house. I don't really like the term, but I can clean house. And I can go, okay, cool. Um, I'm just going to wipe out the bottom 20% of my workforce. Mm-hmm. And generally, there's four or five people that the whole team, you know, that, 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 that a team of 80 just goes, oh, thank God, let's get rid of them. Um, chances are, I have the same number that I that aren't on my list. And yet, no one's spoken up, and yet it's in the back of their mind on their list, right? Um, so those people are going to stay. But now I'm left with a, with some people that do contribute, and that workload doesn't go away. No one says, by the way, we're also cutting 20% of the workload. Mm-hmm. They just say we're cutting 20% of the heads. Well, well, so I also have the other end of that scale, right? My my hypos, my high performance, my the people that are truly excellent within my organization, which while things were fantastic and I wasn't the best payer in the world, right? I, I didn't pay beyond top of market. Um, they stuck with me. Well now I'm adding 20 to 30 percent to their workload because that work didn't go away and I'm cutting by 20%. How do I retain them? How do I keep them? How do I maintain some sort of, some semblance of reality, some semblance of reasonability while at the same time being told I get I have to produce the same or more, 20% less. And I was already understaffed because I couldn't fill those wrecks that I had open that I needed to do anyhow. So I think that's the, the, the... Not
2: the- all workload is the same. Like we were chatting just before this. The problem when you have to do those reductions is you tend to look at, yes, the lower performers, but also you kind of stack rank the capabilities that you have and you kind of cut the capabilities that you think you could not necessarily live without, but you could slow down a bit or ensure that the SLAs are a little bit longer to deliver on it. Maybe I'm reducing my service test, as an example, and the reduction of the service test means I can't you know, fix a password problem in minutes and now take 15 minutes to make that. You're making those calls. And because of that, um, you're cutting areas that have to be um, still completed by somebody else, but that somebody else tends to be more senior or not even in that role. Maybe the infrastructure operations or the infrastructure architecture team now has to take on some service desk responsibilities. So not only are you creating a distraction for that infrastructure architect, you're actually asking them to do lower level work or less work that's in their expertise or in their capability. And yes, while they can do it, They absolutely don't want to do it. And that absolutely don't want to do it is affecting their ability to enjoy the job, right? Like morale. Yes, but it's, they're not enjoying day to day. They're going to have problems with their manager because their manager is telling them to do it, right? It just stacks on to the directly to the individuals that you're trying to keep motivated and keep incentive. So the big question of course is, well, what do you do about that? How knowing that that's true—that you're asking them to do things that they may perceive to be as below them—but regardless, it's different than what they're would prefer to do. What's the what's the statement? What's the journey? What's the management? What's the leadership? What's the future look like? And then, what's
1: the risk? Sure. Well, I think uh, I I think if we can shift our perception then I think we can create an opportunity there. One of the things that's been true about hypos is, um, and, and may not be 100% true, but it's pretty true, that they like to learn, that they're looking to improve. And they generally can identify weaknesses in a system and say, um, I think we could do this better by doing the following. Um, and so the first thing I would do is say, um, take the opportunity when this is coming. And if it's already come and it's too late, then do it, do it yesterday, do it now, do it immediately, um, to tell your hypos, um, this is coming. What are your ideas to improve efficiency, Mm -hmm. right? Just lay it out. Um, I want to hear the crazy off the wall stuff that maybe the organization wasn't ready for yesterday. And what I'm really looking for is, is places where we can automate, right? Um, is there, you know, have we been putting off Ansible as an example, right? Mm -hmm. Um, have we been putting off kind of configuration management? Um, because it just, you know, we just had too many people that weren't gonna get on board. Okay, cool. Well, we're gonna downsize some people. I don't have a choice. We're gonna do some layoffs. Now's probably a good time to bring that up. Now's probably a good time to focus on that. And then as a leader, you just kind of have to take the hit. My KPIs are gonna drop for a little bit. Right. Okay, I'm gonna take the hit, right? I'm gonna suck it up. Um ultimately, as leadership, we are responsible for. Uh, a failure to, for the organization as a whole to, uh, to produce. And if there's a, if there's a, 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 a layoff, that's, that's on us. Right. And so some of that responsibility may be, yeah, you're, you're going to miss an MBO and your bonus may be a little smaller this year than it was last year. than you'd like it to be, that's fine. Right. Um, You just kind of, you just kind of have to go. That's the, that's the cost of being an executive.
2: I I kind of like the answer and you, you almost use the phrase, to automate those tasks out of your hands i've I've now asked you to do something that's not necessarily within your role you probably didn't want to do it but because i had to reduce somebody now has to do it but now i'm giving you permission to use whatever means necessary to get it off your plate right so maybe you're going to use chat gpt and enforce that usage for your service test request or you're going to make you know the procedures available and the response and it'll be an automated response when they ask for a password change like you have my permission now as a leader to do whatever you need to do to create that efficiency knowing that it ultimately impacts your time yeah yeah without you know dropping a million dollars right but but use the tools that might exist already to automate the work that you don't want
1: to do yeah, I, I agree. I think um I think we need to start looking at those things. And I think we need to be far more open to it than than maybe we were previously. Right. Yeah. Um I I think it's time to get out of our comfort zone. Get out of our, you know, lower the safety net a bit. Be, you know, I don't want to say be let la- welcome more risk, but but welcome more risk because we've been too cautious. Mm. Right. We're all too cautious. Paul might argue with that with me, but, but, but we are generally too cautious and and let's step out a little bit. Let's see, let's throw some crazy shit against the wall and see if it sticks. Um, because we no longer, we no longer have the buffer of people. And if you don't allow for those things to happen, and if you don't welcome input from your people, it's a key piece of employee satisfaction is, are they heard? Are they listened to? Do you take suggestion? Then they're going to go somewhere that does.
0: Right.
2: And that's the craziness of this current economy, right? There's a hundred thousand tech layoffs in the last quarter. And yet there's lots of open jobs, right? The irony of those, of course, is it's not in Silicon Valley, those jobs, it's everywhere else in the world. Right. right? So you might not be able to work in Palo Alto, but there's a thousand other cities you could possibly work in and they're all scrambling for a role. I think, they have open headcount and they're willing to pay what they need to pay in order to do this work so the risk to you as the leader who you just burdened with your your high performers is that they'll go somewhere else and not have to do that work
0: yeah so how do you communicate that to those high performers because they seen the layoffs they know that they're high performance and probably the company that they work for may be going through some type of transition. How, how do you think that you can put those high performance, I don't say completely at ease, but to share that, hey, I'm going to accept, like you said, some more additional risk so you can try something new. I know that there may be some additional work, but tell me, what would you like to do? A- any insight in that?
1: No, I, I don't think you do it with your hypos. I think you do with everybody right yeah. um because it's also a good opportunity to take some people that maybe have just grown stagnant and and frankly bored and lost the passion for what they did a while ago especially if they've been at your organization for 6 8 10 12 20 years um and, and maybe give them the the ability to get reinvigorated to get excited again about what they're doing and uh and, and you might surprise yourself. You might find two or three of the people that you didn't think of as hypos kind of step up, take the mantle, and, and, uh, and shock you. And so I would do it with everybody. Right? I would give everyone kind of the opportunity. Um, it, it also gives you that ability to kind of look and go, okay, well, now I can kind of reshuffle my deck a little bit. Um, some of the people that I had just as kind of middling, right? They, they weren't high, hypos necessarily You know, my, my lowest performers that I was likely to lay off. Um, they don't know how to do it, but they're interested and they're excited. So can I invest in something to help get them moving? Right. And look at this point, I'm not saying send them to a $2,500 bootcamp for a week. Right. But can you buy a Udemy course? Right. Can you get them on Skillshare? Can you do Pluralsight? Can you, you know, and take an extra step, right? Can you pair them with someone in the org, in your org that is already good at that? um, And, and, You know, let pay for lunch once a week for them to do a mentor mentee thing, right? It'd cost you 60 bucks. We can afford 60 bucks, right? Because what you're going to get back is coverage for that missing person and probably a lot more.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I I agree. There's opportunity here on two fronts. And I agree wholeheartedly with Howard in that it can't be focused on the hypos, it's got to be focused on the team. So, coin side of coin number one is you're going to have to roll up your sleeve as a leader and show that you're also willing to bear some of the burden, right? You're also willing to do things above and beyond your role, which may be perceived as lesser than your role, right? So if you got to participate in the selling, you participate in the selling. You may not be coding, but you might need to, you know, spend an hour on the service desk if it makes sense for you to spend an hour on the service desk, right? Your willingness to participate and feel the pain will help you. On the other side, I think it's a great opportunity to, take your middle management layer and give them experience they wouldn't have experienced before. So maybe it's your opportunity to bring together service desk and IT ops or security and, uh, and data ops, right. Bring them together, put them under a single leader so that leader can experience a broader, you know, broader set of capabilities, right? So they're not, Going to be the CISO because I don't have that role anymore, but at least they now can create a breadth of capability that they wouldn't have been able to do before, and showcase that as an opportunity.
1: Yeah, it's a good it's that's a good point, right? It's a good time to review your operating model as a whole, right? And say, um, does the does my operating model that I'm currently running meet the needs of today? Meet the needs of tomorrow? And if I were to reshuffle this operating model. Can I better align with what I need for tomorrow, right? Um, and do I have the ability to inject in excitement and interest and engagement back into the teams because they'll get ex- all get exposed to to something new, right? And they'll then they'll all get the opportunity to take that kind of that kind of shine and um, and go somewhere with it. Right? I really I really like that as a point, um, right? Um, as an example, I'm I'm pretty. Firm on the belief that network teams and security teams need to be the same team that needs to be the same org i should say Mm. Uh, i don't want my network team part of my infra team anymore because well security is now about blast radius and um the network is the super highway of blast radius right versus the enabler of data to move yeah we know that we understand that But, but i'm not getting a tremendous amount of new value there and i think if i put my security team and my network team together and have them work towards the goal of reducing blast radius while still enabling um, application communication to occur, um, I think I'll get a far better acceleration of value that way than I would by keeping them separate. Right, so can I do that? Can, you know, can I, can I um, start incorporating my DevOps team and my infra team to create SRE, right? To really start moving more towards composable infrastructure um, to accelerate some of my modernization efforts that I've not really been able to do in my traditional core simply because um, I've moved that kind of knowledge elsewhere, right? Yeah. Um, what does that operating model look like and and how much value can I get from it? And you may find too that some of your cuts can be in leadership, can can be in management that, that you know, simply by reshuffling, you find maybe I don't need those, Um You know, and you might reinvigorate some of the leaders that you have that some that you promoted because they were good leaders, but frankly, miss being a little more connected with the tech, you you know, and uh, and maybe you might reinvigorate them and and um, and kind of give them them a 2.0 of their career under you.
2: It's also an opportunity to showcase a behavior that isn't about um, tech enabling every business request. Sometimes there's a behavior within the CIO or the technology team in general to say, that's an interesting idea, Mr. Line of Business Leader. Why don't I go back and experiment and figure out how it's possible, then give you that ability. This is the time to put in place to say, that's a crazy idea, Mr. LOV leader. How about you give me another idea, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like creating a little bit more backbone, right? Yes, I understand you want to self-service your own data and produce your own analytics. But you have no idea what data we have, nor what it means, nor do you have an appreciation of what customer equals, right? In terms of the fields it requires. So it doesn't make sense to create a self service ability for you to see all the data of the company. What else do you think would be valuable, right? We need to shift that. Hey, I'm willing to try anything for you to let's really have a discussion of what actually makes sense for our business.
1: Well, well, then maybe it's not, I'm willing to try anything for you, but I'm really, to, I'm willing to try those things that you've invested in at least enough to clearly define. Right. Right. So, so I think that's a, I think that's an interesting idea. Uh, I'm really glad you're thinking that way. Can you tell me what data sources you need and what the goals and outputs of, of self-service in those data sources would enable you to do? Um, and... What is the state of the data quality? And then give them a definition of data quality, right? How how good is the data? How clean is the data? How usable is the data, right? Um, come back and tell me, and and then give me the bottom line, like how much money is this going to enable? If I turn this on for you, what's the ROI? Build me a build me a small business case, right? Because that same business business owner, if they said if they said they needed to hire two heads, they'd have to build a business case for it. If they said they needed you know, a new manufacturing line—they'd have to build a business case for it. But some somehow they get away with it when it's technology, not building the same business case. It, it can just right. be a new idea.
2: They make the request, and IT now has to do the homework and do Correct. the experimentation. Essentially, your response is: here's some homework for you to do. If Correct. you can, if you could do this research and get a little bit more prescriptive in your actual outcome and produce a slide document that, that actually is more detailed, then we'll have a conversation. Correct. versus what you read on the airplane and now I have to do something
1: about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I don't do the airplane experiment stuff anymore. And, and I have to be honest, this is kind of this is how I operate, right? I now own product and it's kind, this is how I operate. And, and the difference is night and day, mm-hmm. right? And the rest of my product team, the rest of my operations team goes, oh my God, thank you so much, <laughs> right? Because they had to respond to whatever the request was, right? right? At least that's how they felt and now having somebody just go okay i think that's a good idea i don't want to take anything away from your idea but i'd like you to do some research i'd like you to do some homework i'd like you to come back to me with um, an executable plan before you know i spend a bunch of time running down and chasing down a rabbit hole i'm not going to you know i'm not going to disprove your idea for you right. i'm not going to yeah. cost out your idea for you i think you i think that's probably some homework you need to take right, right? and then the things that do make it through that the quality is so much better. The ability to achieve the target is so much better. Right? Frankly, we should have been doing that years ago. We should have been doing that when money was cheap, not just when money became <laughs> you know I expensive. Mean? Like, right. This isn't something we should have just
0: discovered. So,
2: There's some nuggets there, Carlos.
0: Yeah, that's a lot. Looking at it really in the middle of a downturn, taking the time to really reinvigorate your team there's some people like we mentioned that may gonna move on to a different role different company but the ones that stay have to really like you mentioned accomplish the correct thing partner them with the mentor then take that and give them an opportunity to shine and you mentioned something that probably it was not identified we mentioned you may get a hit on your KPIs or your MBOs, and as a leader, it's okay because you're actually reshuffling for actually getting the company into the correct place, getting the team, and getting those people that probably were not considered a high performing a new opportunity, and now they can shine because they were given a new opportunity. I think those are some of the nuggets that I actually grabbed there. Um, That was a good conversation. So for the whole audience, like we say every week, don't just listen for yourself. Take the time to take your notes, share the podcast with your team, with your audience. And we're looking forward to see you on our next episode.